Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Would you give Marilee a warm welcome? Thank you. Thank you, church. Wonderful to see you this morning. Wonderful to have everyone joining us on the live stream as well that I can't see, but I just know you're there. Okay, so this month of August, we have a series called I Am Group. How many of you saw the movie Guardians of the Galaxy and you know what that's all about? <laughs> Most of you. If for some reason you haven't, the um, it's a great movie, but there's all these kind of ragtag um, heroes, but together they save the galaxy. And so their group dynamic is they're stronger in, in the group. And um, this month we are taking four Sundays to talk about lots of various topics that pertain to small groups. We know um, one of the passages in the Bible, Acts chapter 2, talks about the life of the believer and you see how important the small group context is within the larger congregation. And so we really value that as a church. And so we're taking this month to do that. And next week, um, community group signups will open. And then our groups will start meeting um, in September. So today, I am going to talk about transformation. That is my topic today. And um, <clears throat> um, eventually, by the end of my sermon, I'm going to get to the point that um, our community group style here at New Day is going to help facilitate transformation in your life. But we're going to start with transformation. So God is at work transforming you into his image. Amen. If you are a believer, that is what he is up to. If you are not a believer, what he is up to is calling you with his love and kindness and drawing you to him and wooing you, saying, I love you. I want relationship with you. I created you. If you're a believer, your relationship with, his, with him is growing and you are in the process of being transformed into the image of Christ. Sometimes we call it sanctification or discipleship. And so we're going to look at several verses that um, will help to get us thinking about this topic. I think it's really important for us to spend time thinking about the things that are really important to God. Okay, so the first one is 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Now, when God made man, he, he made mankind in his image, right? And so he created us to be um, in his image and likeness. So in form and in manner like him. But when sin entered, um, that now all of a sudden there's a, a glaring discrepancy between man and God, right? And so we know through Jesus and through salvation, we can be redeemed and have that relationship restored. And then God sets to work by the Holy Spirit to conform us into his image, restoring 
what God intended mankind to be before the fall. So that when we look into a mirror, like this verse says, and like we sang about, which I thought was amazing, the tie-in, the Holy Spirit always does that during worship. There's all these themes preparing our heart for the word that he has for us. But when we look in the mirror, we're different than we were before. We're different um, today than we were last week. We're different this month than we were 10 years ago. We are becoming more and more like him. Romans 12, 2 encourages us to embrace the transformation that comes um, in Jesus Christ. Let's read it. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So do not be conformed to this world, saying resist being conformed to the world, the, you know, the ungodly patterns of thinking, the, the ways that are in opposition to God um, must be resisted and, the, the, and pursue the opposite, being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we are going to have progress in our sanctification as our mind is renewed and we die to sin more and more and we live to righteousness more and more. And our sanctification will be completed in glory, but it begins now, and there's progress now. A few more awesome verses in this vein. Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27 says, and this is God speaking, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. What jumps out to me in this verse is he kept saying, I will, I will. He's the one doing it. He's the one that turns us and transforms us. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And that word renewed means to cause to grow up in him in a day by day. So we're growing up in him on a daily basis. That is what's happening. And the last verse here that we're going to read on this topic of transformation is Psalm 1715. Um, and this is King David. He wrote, and I shall be satisfied when I awake in his likeness. And I love that. So he's saying, when I wake up in the morning, I feel satisfaction because I'm more like God than I used to be. And it does. It brings us peace. It brings us satisfaction as he transforms us into his likeness. Okay, so if God is transforming me, if God is at work transforming you, what should our response be? How, how would we um, act because of that truth? Well, two things. The first one is to surrender. Um to surrender to his transforming work. Um, you know, 
working with him, allowing God full access, yielding ourselves under the transforming influence of the Holy Spirit in our life. I mentioned a few minutes ago, God is the one that turns us. But the rest of that phrase or the rest of that sentence is, but we must position ourselves to turn. We must frame ourselves to turn. And that is the surrender portion. He is the one that does the turning, but we frame ourselves to turn. So I want to ask you this morning, have you surrendered everything? Have you surrendered the transformation of every area of your life to God? Everything you care about, everything you're working towards. Because he desires to transform every aspect of our lives. Um, Have you surrendered your kids, your spouse, your friendships, your job? Um, your tasks, your concerns, your struggles. If there's an area of your life that you are being quite controlling over, that is a great indicator that you haven't surrendered that aspect to, of your life to God. And I want to get really specific. I'm giving you general, large topics like surrender your kids to God. That's very big, but what about a specific aspect in your relationship with one of your children that is a struggle, that's a sticking point, that hasn't, that needs transformation? Get specific and give that thing to God and surrender it to him. Um, Here's an example I came across of a man who surrendered his temper to God. I'm going to read it to you. He says, I used to have an ugly temper. Easily ignited at the slightest provocation, it was ugly. I hated that nasty demonstration of that temper, and I tried to control it, but I just couldn't. Things would happen, and before I knew it, poof, my control was gone, and I'd blown up. And there I was, ashamed and embarrassed at the things I did and the things I said, guilty, defeated. With all my efforts, I couldn't control it. And then one day I said, God, I am sorry. I just can't do it. I've tried, Lord. I can't do it. I gave up in despair of ever hoping to have control over this issue. But when I surrendered it, the Holy Spirit took over. And he did for me what I couldn't do for myself. He took away the inward boiling, the inward steam. See, it wasn't a thing of my keeping the cap on the pressure while seething inside, ready to explode. Somehow, the spirit from within took away the pressure, the steam. I could look at a situation or an experience or experience a situation where I would have exploded violently into that ugliness, but there were no more explosions. As I looked from the mirror... I saw the Spirit's work in my life changing me into the image of Jesus. Yeah, so this man surrendered his temper. What do you need to surrender? What are you concerned about, worried about, losing sleep over? So our first response is surrender. The second response is to engage with the discipleship process that he's at work doing in us. Follow through. through. Be serious about participating 
in God's work of renewal in your life. You know, commit to do the things that disciples of Jesus Christ do. Read the scriptures regularly. Um, Spend time in prayer. Worship with others who are seeking him. Soak in his presence. Journal and get better at learning to hear God's voice. Practice communion. Live generously. Care for the needy. Serve others. These are all um, things that we can do to partner with him and engage with his work of of transforming us. Now, often when we surrender something to him, he um, gives aspects back to us to steward. So think of the parable in Matthew 25 where the master entrusts his property to his servants. But the property always was the master's. It was still the master's while he entrusted it to his servants. And then it was still his at the end. But God has things for us to do. He has things for us to steward in it. So if you surrender an area of your life to God, then you say, okay, is there anything you'd like me to do? Back to the example of maybe surrendering um, your, your child to God. So God, I just give this situation to you. All of a sudden, the weight and the burden is lifted off your shoulders because he's ultimately going to take care of it, and he is the best parent. And then you say, okay, God, well, what, what would you have me do? You know, how do you want me to steward raising this child? Um, who's ultimately yours, but you've gifted them to me to raise. And then he'll give you things to do. Okay, I want you to approach the situation from with bring an attitude of peace and give this choice or that choice. And then, you know, carry this out. He'll give you specifics. Now, sometimes he might say, well, actually, I don't want you to do anything. I want you to surrender it to me and let me work. And you just pray and you just wait patiently, and I don't actually want you to do anything. So that's part of that engagement with him in this process. There's a quote from an author, Kevin Watson, on this topic. He says, God is able and willing to restore us to health. That's the transformation that he's doing. But he also invites us to participate in the Spirit's work in our lives. Imagine someone who said they wanted to be a professional baseball player, but were not interested in buying a glove. Isn't that silly? Being a Christian involves commitment to a basic set of principles. That's the foundation of Christian discipleship. So it's one thing to say, you know, I want to be a pro, or, you know, I want to be like you, Jesus. You know, make me like you. But then we may lack an engagement with the small things like buying a glove or reading the Bible regularly or some of these other things. So we engage. So I have a question for you. Who have you surrendered your transformation to? Have you surrendered it? To yourself, counting on yourself to change you? Have you surrendered it to no one? Have you surrendered your transformation to other people? 
or have you surrendered your transformation to God? I'm going to give you a few examples of what each might look like. If you've surrendered your transformation to yourself, it's very heavy. It's like a one-man show. There's a lot of striving. It's all up to you. The burden's on you, and you feel it. There's a, there's a lot of worry and fear because it's all up to you. Um, now, obviously, I just got through saying we're meant to engage with him. We're meant to do things. But what I'm talking about right now is ultimately who are you counting on to transform you? Okay, so that's what it would be if you are counting on yourself. You feel that burden on your shoulders. If you're counting on no one, you would be avoiding transformation. That would look like just completely disengaging with the transformation process, not growing. Um, or if you're not a Christian, obviously then you wouldn't be surrendering your transformation to God because, or to, you wouldn't have surrendered it, you would surrender it to no one because you're not looking to be transformed into Christ-likeness. So yourself, no one. What about others? Maybe you've surrendered your transformation to a pastor or a leader or a friend or a spouse or, um, you know, a great author that you rely on for your growth. Like who are you ultimately depending on transforming you? So this might look like, you know, if you're counting on a friend to transform you, you would, you know, you're not going to do a reading plan. You're not going to read a bi the Bible until they, and if, hey, let's do this reading plan together. You're waiting for them to make you grow. Or if you're relying on the worship team, like I'm not going to worship God until, um, you know, they do just the right song. And then I can give God my worship. Like you're counting on them for your worship rather than, hey, I'm going to give my worship to God. Um, or, you know, um, if other people were better at being my friends, I would be more connected. You're looking to them to provide that. Or if the preacher isn't to your liking, you won't get anything out of it because you're looking to them to give a certain type of message instead of going, God, I am not counting on a person. I'm counting on you for my transformation. So what that might look like on a Sunday morning or watching a, any old podcast um, or YouTube sermon or something is God, how do you want to transform me? And it becomes so much less about the persons. I've, I've heard people say, and I've said this myself, <laughs> you know, well, I didn't really get anything out of that. I've heard all of that before. Or they weren't really that eloquent or entertaining, so I didn't really get anything out of that. Okay, well, that is your depending on that person to transform you. But we know from... John 14, that it's the Holy Spirit's job to, he says, I will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. 
And so when we come into those situations, we need to be counting on God to transform us. And we say, God, how are you going to teach me? Or what do you want to teach me today? What do you want to remind me of today? I am ready to be transformed by you. Now, obviously, we get tons of benefits from other people. Bill talked about that this morning. Cameron preached about that last week. We obviously need our community. There are certain things in this Christian walk that we can't experience just by ourselves. We need that relationship dynamic, the group dynamic. It's so important. It's so good. But I'm saying you can't depend on that. You can't wait on that to provide your transformation. You have to go, God, how are you transforming me through what they're sharing? And not ultimately depending on them. It's his work. The outcome is up to him. Um, I came across this amazing story of this missionary named Otto Koning, um, and he was a missionary to New Guinea. And this just talks about, his testimony talks about everything that I'm talking about this morning. And so I'm going to share a little shortened version of this with you. If you want to listen to the whole thing, you can look him up on YouTube, and it's like an hour long. It's amazing. But um, he and his wife went to New Guinea to be um, missionaries, and the natives there um, were chronic thieves. They, that was just, everyone was a thief. That was normal. They just stole. They would teach their children to steal, and if they got caught, they would get severely punished. And so it was just in their culture, much like maybe worry is in our culture, um, it's just normal. So um, he's there, and it's just him and his wife and their, and their little kids, and there's lots of them, and there's just Otto and his wife. And so constantly things are getting stolen. They're, um, they would distract the wife at the front door and then clean stuff out the back or take their clothes off the line, and then Otto would go into the um, village to minister and the guy would be wearing his shirt that was on the line yesterday or um, wearing their can opener, can opener around their neck as a necklace or the diaper pins in their ears. And so he would like, give me my stuff back, give me my stuff back. And he was just mad all the time. He was really frustrated. Um, and the people didn't understand why he was like that. And so they called him stingy white man, an angry white man. Those were his names that, that they referred to him. Um, but this went on for years. The only thing that he could get to grow in the sandy soil was pineapples. And it takes three years for the trees to mature enough to produce the fruit. And, um, but what was happening is they would steal the pineapples before they would ever ripen. And so he never got a pineapple and he was so mad. He just wanted a pineapple and so he'd constantly, it was just weighing on him so heavily. He was so upset all the time. And he'd be like, get out of my pineapple garden, you know, and um, he was just so upset. Um, and he had, he was there for years and years. I think it was seven years and still not one convert. Um, he tried all kinds of things. He, he, he bought a, he bought a dog to guard and um, that didn't work. He had to get rid of the dog 
um, for various reasons. He tried, okay, I'm going to give them half of the garden. You have this half, this half's mine. Stay off my side. They still stole off of his side. He just, everything he tried, it didn't work. He came back to the U.S. for a conference, a little break, and he was just, his health was destroyed from all of this, and he was just at his wit's end. And this, the um, seminar that he went to was about surrender and like giving up your rights to God give your possessions to God because he takes really good care of his property. And so at the end of the session, the speaker was like, what do you, who needs to surrender something to God? And he's like, Oh, both hands flew up in the air. He needed to surrender that pineapple garden. And so he did, he was like, God, it's not mine anymore. It's yours. The pineapples are yours. You can, be concerned about whether they're stealing your pineapples or not. I'm done with that. And he said he never felt so light. The, the burden was, was lifted and he felt peace for the first time. When he got back, some of the natives noticed that he was different because he wasn't angry anymore. Now, every once in a while, he'd be like, God, you know, he'd think he's helping God out. Um, just they're they're stealing your pineapples. Did you know that? You you might want to do something about that. Um, but he, oh, I gotta surrender, surrender it to God. Um, and at one point he was like, It's yours, God, so you go ahead and weed it. And you know, you just take care of that garden. And then God talked to him about stewardship and like, well, actually, that you know, you're you would be in charge of that. So okay, he got that and he's he was gonna delegate the weeding and make sure that was done. But they noticed he was different. And one of his closest um, friends there, one of the natives said, Otto, did you become a Christian? And, uh, and Otto was just like, what? Like flabbergasted that, that he would say that. But Otto had been telling them what a Christian's like and what Jesus is like. And they said, we always wondered if we'd ever meet someone who was like that. And uh, so he was humbled, thought he had failed. He was like, oh, this is awful. But anyway, um, they started to notice, they kept stealing the pineapples. They started to notice um, some things not going quite right in their village, and they um, God was giving, starting to give them consequences for stealing. And, you know, so they're, they couldn't catch any fish all of a sudden. They couldn't hunt any, hunt anything. They're, the, the women weren't getting pregnant. Like all these things weren't going right. And so they're trying to figure out, and they went back to Otto and said, who did you give the pineapples to? Um, like, they're like, did you, you know, give it to the, the witch doctor? Who did you give these pineapples to? Cause something's going on. He's like, well, I gave them to my God. And they're like, doesn't he have any pineapples in heaven? <laughs> and, um, and he's like, yeah, but I just, I gave them to him. They're his. And, and, and so they were really upset. Well, take them back. We don't want him to um, have them. We're, we're having consequences. And anyway, the, the long story to, to sum it up, he um, had given it to God. It ended up that about half of the village became Christians, and he started training um, some of the younger ones to be pastors, and it was amazing, and he had just given it to God. They stopped stealing. They started, the, the half that became Christians stopped stealing and would actually bring Otto some pineapples on his doorstep, 
And on their own, they set up a watch. He knew nothing about this to, to guard the garden. And they said, we don't want, we don't think it's right that your pineapples are getting stolen or, you know, we want you to have them. And so they did it. So God just completely took care of it. And he ended up having pineapples in the end. Um, but I just love that the, the outcome for the, the situation and the, the pineapple garden wasn't up to him. It was up to God. He surrendered it. And then, um, he did steward it. And, um, so our community group style, obviously transformation is so important. And so what we want to do and what we are doing is creating a community group style that is going to help you as you pursue um, transformation in Christ. So there's actually three different types of community group styles. The first is an affinity group where it, you gather around a common passion, like a book club or a sports league. And this type of group is really fun. It's really relationship building. Um, and so that's great. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's not effective in really fostering transformation because often you just stay at a surface level in your life and in, in your relationship with God. The second type is an information-driven group where the focus is learning, where your time together is spent learning new information, discussing new information, like a Bible study or a Sunday school, where the curriculum is the center of, of the group. Now, obviously, good, right? Bible study is amazing. We need to study. We need to learn. We need information. But when your time together is focused on that, we, you often don't <clears throat> go to that application. How is your life being transformed because of what you're learning? It's, it also can be easy to avoid vulnerability in that type of group because you're just kind of staying on this lofty thoughts level. So the third type is a transformation driven group where you're focused your time together for the hour, hour and a half, however long you're together, you're focused on discussing how you're living out your transformation. So it really encourages us to apply what we've received and it forces us to slow down and digest what we're taking in. I think so often we can just go, you know, we're kind of a consumerism, consumerist um, society. And so it's easy for us just to go to thing to thing, you know, watch another sermon, read this, do this. And, <clears throat> but have we actually meditated on and applied the sermon we heard just a couple days ago? Um, and I think that is super important that we do that. Often, I don't even remember what the sermon was two days ago. I'm like, um, I think it was about this. I'm like, that is not being a good steward. I, have, I need to chew on and actually apply what I'm receiving. And so this type of group helps us do that, encourages us to do that, and so we're asking, you know, are we meditating? Are we making changes because of it? So we share where we've struggled or where we've experienced victory. And we discover together how we can love and uphold one another as we each are living out our transformed life with Jesus. So obviously, being vulnerable is an important part of this style of group. 
And um, I know that word can be a little scary to some people, um, but it's just so important. We, in order to really be known by others, in order to really know someone, you have to go to a level of vulnerability um, to have that connection in that relationship. <clears throat> so it's so key. And so this style is most effective in fostering transformation. So when we meet for groups, there's going to be three parts to the community group meeting format. The first two parts are questions. And everyone in the group would answer, each, have a turn to answer each question. So the first question is going to be the sermon question. So how have you or how will you apply what the Holy Spirit taught you in the sermon? Okay, so it's important that you take notes. It's important that it's like a good um, accountability measure. Um, and then you're going to, the second question is the soul question. How are you doing spiritually? And so you kind of self-assess, how am I doing? And you share something with the group, either um, the S-O-U-L stands for your relationship with scripture, others, upward, which would be God, your time in prayer, um, or specifically focused in just on him, um, and then life, other things in life, your job. So how are you doing spiritually in one of these areas? <clears throat> um, and so this open-ended question helps us, helps me, helps you, and we have to answer it. It helps us understand what's going on in our hearts, and then it also helps us receive revelation from the Holy Spirit about the state of our heart. Um, <clears throat> and so how is your soul prospering? How's your relationship with God going? How has God's grace changed your life? How uh, in your relationship with others in the last week? Oh, well, I saw this difference. You know, I was more aware of showing love to my neighbor. I was you know, I was more patient. I was more aware of surrendering every aspect of my life as things would come up or situation would come up at work or in my family where I, I surrender it to you, God. Um, the weight of it is on your shoulders. <clears throat> so you share what's, how it's going. You know, this is what I learned from my Bible reading. This is what God spoke to me while I was journaling. This is what happened when I was talking to a friend about Jesus. So you're giving this report, and then you encourage one another as you run your spiritual race. Now, I mentioned it not being information-driven. You are going to acquire information. You're going to grow from what others share. My group last year, I was extremely encouraged by um, what others in my group would share. Not only encouraged, but I would, I would learn things. And so you are receiving um, from the other people in your group. It's amazing dynamic. And so this will also draw attention to the fact that the Christian life is not static, that it's meant to continue growing. It reminds us that it's meant to continue moving forward by answering this question. And when you know that you're going to have to answer the question, it helps you um, be more aware of how God is at work in your life throughout the week. And you're more aware, am I cooperating with his grace or am I failing to cooperate? And so there's just inherent accountability 
built into this framework. And so that's what we think will be most effective in, in helping us all grow. And that is the goal. You know, I mentioned before, like, you don't want to surrender your transformation even to the church. Um, but we play a huge role in it. Like, our goal is to come alongside, help, give give structure, give, um, you know, events and systems that are going to help you grow. It's ultimately up to God, though, but obviously we are here to encourage and provide that. Um, and then the last aspect of our community group meeting format is is would be prayer. So, you know, we would be collecting prayer requests, pray for one another. It's a really powerful part of the community groups. And then you can hold each other up in prayer throughout the week in, in between times when you're not meeting. And so I hope that really just helps frame what is coming and, um, and, and we'll, we'll have more details next week when the signups open. Um, but I just want to go into our wrap up now. Just to review what we've said, God is at work to transform us. We must surrender every area to him and we must be proactive stewards of our discipleship. Ruth, would you mind coming up and playing a little bit, and we can close in prayer? All right, let's stand and pray. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that you are so patient and kind with us. You're such a good Father. And we just recognize <clears throat> that you are transforming us, restoring us um, into <clears throat> what we were before the fall, like you in, in manner. And <clears throat> so we just surrender to that working. We yield this morning to your your hand upon us to transform us we humble ourselves to be changed we want to work with you not against you and so if you're here this morning and you um you know realize that you haven't surrendered to his transformation i just want you to take a moment right now and repent for that and and turn your frame your heart to be turned by him in Jesus name thank you Jesus Maybe you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to him to become a Christian, to be a follower. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So just right now, surrender to him and confess you are Lord. You are Lord. Jesus died for my sins and you raised him from the dead. I want to follow you. I surrender my life to you, God. 
And if as I was talking, you realized um, that maybe you've surrendered aspects of your transformation to yourself or to no one or to other people, right now, just readjust that. Just repent for that and acknowledge that, it, that it's him that you're counting on to transform you and change you. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, God, I repent for um, looking to myself for transformation and just, I can take care of this. I can take care of that. You've really showed me this week so many areas that I was doing in my own strength. And so I sur surrender all of it to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, and lastly, Lord, I just pray that you would just prepare our hearts to be a part of a transformation-driven community group if it works out in the schedule and everything, Lord. I just pray that these groups would just be really fruitful and um, just amazing places to foster our transformation. That's the goal. You want to transform us into your image. And so we want to be on board with that. And so um, we just surrender these groups to you and we trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.